Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in on a Monday morning, February 5th, 2024. 29 degrees in the capital city as we start out your day. I am Jack Mitchell. Uh, Caleb Henry out under the weather today. Got Johnny Cadillac in behind the board. Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom. Actually, Mark Vale not in the KLIN newsroom right now. Uh, in, a, in addition to some personnel roster changes, we've got some... Uh, computer technology issues going on that we are uh, working on that we're going to try and do our best with around the show. Let's just say it this way. You've been there before. It is one of those mornings. It is one of those mornings, but we are going to try our best not to let it impact the uh, the fun news and information that we're going to provide for you here on a Monday morning. Right now, we've got 29 degrees in the capital city, and I will tell you what, fog fog right now uh it was it was really foggy uh, on my drive into work through the neighborhood today so uh be aware of that throughout there especially if you're uh in some more rural areas out there today but uh as we get to the day obviously that'll that'll clear up a bit and it looks like we're gonna get those temperatures back up anybody else have a little like uh like shock to the system with the clouds and wind over the weekend after what we had last week. Well, don't worry. We are back in the 50s, probably low 50s today. Might just struggle to get over 50, but still not bad today with 50. Still cloudy skies, mid 50s, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. will probably flirt with 60 a little bit back into the 40s over the weekend. And then may actually see highs in the 30s at the beginning of Valentine's Day weekend. So that's what we've got in the weather forecast. Got a good show for you today. Joining us will be Tim Hruza, Mike Schaefer. They will both be joining the show for us today. And we will uh, delve into what's going on with Tim and the Nebraska legislature with uh, Mike, uh, with Nebraska basketball last night. So close. So close. And, you know, you don't even know how to feel feel about it in some ways because it was a game. Nebraska was uh, flirted right around a, a double-digit uh, underdog in that game. I think after after what happened uh, at, at home against Wisconsin, it just seems like kind of the natural pattern has been then you go on the road, then you have a disappointing game. But Nebraska showed all kinds of toughness, all kinds of resilience in that game. And then they got into the end of regulation and then later overtime and couldn't, couldn't quite get the stop that they needed on the defensive end. Got zero help from an officiating crew that just, I mean, I hate to be that. I hate to be that guy, but man, every close one, every close one down the stretch seemed to go the, uh, go the other way in terms of close calls, and Nebraska loses in overtime to Illinois. They do not get their first road win, but somehow, like I think somehow in losing that game and the disappointment that came along with losing that game where they get one stop in regulation and they win it, and then all of a sudden things are getting really crazy. Like the disappointment in not achieving that after that wanes a little bit over the course of the next couple of days. Uh, I think I think you're going to have some fans who are who have a lot more faith in what this team can do on the road after what they saw them do 
at Illinois uh, yesterday. So they they go again on the road. Don't have to go far. Uh, They play Northwestern on the road on Wednesday. Once again, looking for that first road win in the Big Ten season. I think they need to get, I just think they need to get one and hold serve at home. And we can talk more about this later on the show. I think they got to get one and hold serve at home. That would get them to 21 wins on the regular season. I think that puts you pretty safely in the NCAA tournament heading into the conference tournament against Minneapolis. But, you know, it's easier said than done to be able to get, and especially holding serve at, at home too. You know, there's always a chance one of these, one of these teams, the Penn States of the world, they've been playing better. Rutgers has been playing better. They all come in here, uh, and Nebraska's going to have to knock them off too. So I was uh, amazed by some of this, the positive numbers that came out. I don't know whether you've seen that uh, little summary that uh, they sent out from the. Uh, no, I I haven't. Uh, Juwan Gary posted his fourth double double of the season, seventh of his career, twelve points, eleven rebounds. Very nice. Uh, they went fourteen for fourteen from the foul line. Yes, uh, that was huge. Key Casey had key huge key free throws at the end of that. Casey had a career high thirty one points. And yep. it was his fifth, again. fifth game of twenty or more points this season. Yeah, a lot of people were kind of saying, "Hey, what's this? What's his role after he was cold against Wisconsin? Didn't play as many minutes. Had that happen a couple of times? I think we can put that conversation to rest now. They need him uh, for for his offensive value to the team, um, yep. and we saw it saw it last night. So he also had five three pointers that yep. moved him into the top ten list. Yep, it was. Uh, Good, good, good overall performance. Didn't get the win. Try again on, on Wednesday. But overall, if you can have a, have an encouraging loss, I think that's probably what that was for Nebraska last night. So, uh, we have that. Then I switched over to the Grammys, uh, and, and took in some of that. But I mean, I'll tell you what, Mark, they had a lot of stuff. They had a lot of stuff that was, uh, for not just for the young crowd last night. They brought, they brought Joni Mitchell out there. Oh my gosh. Really? And she sang. Yeah. They brought Joni Mitchell out. I could not. I could not believe that because she's had all kinds of health issues. Um, well, Celine so she, Dion was there. Celine Dion came out. Speaking of health issues, yeah. she didn't sing, but she performed. She gave Taylor Swift an, Taylor Swift an award. By the way, there was a little blowback, blowback on Taylor yeah. for not giving Celine like acknowledgement, which just like taking the Grammy from her. And then they uh, her they they had a picture come out about five minutes after that of the two of them backstage. So the publicists were right on top of that one as well. Uh, Billy Joel performed as well. So, yeah, I was. And, and then uh, I think uh, online or immediately thereafter released the uh, cover of his new album. Okay, cool. Yeah, he. So that was great. That was great to see him, and he played kind of out after the whole thing was over. So, yeah, I did it. I watched an award show. But that for me, that's my favorite of. You can. T- I mean, obviously the request on Friday and everything. I'm more of a music guy than I am a movie or TV guy. So if there was an award show that I was going to watch, that was <laughs> yeah, that I, was going to be the one. I mean, so. last Thursday you explicitly stated after Generation collaboration in the studio there off mic. That any time movie producer questions come up, you D- just, director, producer, yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> well, you just, yeah, that's why. Yeah, this the that's why this was my this was for me. The Grammys are like what the Oscars to other people. I know there's some people who don't watch any of them and don't like any of them, but I kind of that's me. I kind of do, do still like that. So, all right. Well, other than the sports and entertainment world, which we started off with today, Mark, uh, and and of course the fog uh, issues that are out there. What else do people know? Need well, to know that this dense morning? fog advisory is in effect till noon, as you mentioned uh, earlier. Pretty 
pretty damn. This is the worst it's been at, for me coming into work about any of these days where you've come in and it you've wasn't been talking bad. about fog. It wasn't bad at four, but boy, it sure got thick <laughs> yeah. during the last hour. Coming a little bit later into work. Yeah, it was it was bad. Like in this neighborhood here, but yeah. I couldn't, I had to, you know, it was crazy. Like I had to look at the street sign to make sure I was turning on the right street to get to work because none of, I couldn't see enough of the surroundings to tell where I was to oh, give you an idea of how bad it was. So you're talking less than a block. Yeah, definitely. That's so, what it was uh, probably at 520 this morning. So Yeah, that's that's pretty dense. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on? Well, uh, interesting uh, story that, uh, that Tom and Chase worked on uh, late last week. actually got a tip from uh, interim uh, Nebraska University interim president Chris Kaborik, uh, because he's a referee. But uh, Got some stories. He about, is yeah, really. Yeah, he, that's interesting. He's, uh, uh, referees uh, basketball. I think, interesting. But huh. anyway, uh, there's quite a shortage of refs in Nebraska due to fan you know, sportsmanship or sportsmanship. Yeah, it seems like kind of a thankless job, especially when you get to so, the the lower levels and you're probably not getting paid tons of dough for that kind of thing. No, as a matter of fact, in uh, football, it's gotten so bad that they're instead of. They don't have enough to do it on Friday night, all the games. So mm-hmm. they're having to move some games to Thursday afternoon and Friday afternoon. Do you know the do you, do you know the irony of this whole thing is you're telling this story after I just got done complaining about the officials at the basketball yeah. game last night. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, but, but anyhow, well, uh, interesting. Something to something to kind of keep an eye on there. Yeah, and we'll see where that uh, develops, Governor. Uh, was in Texas yesterday. Uh, he and uh, the adjutant general uh, went down to Eagle Pass. They were yep. part of uh, a group of fifteen governors. Yep, and uh, had a chance to uh, do a little interview. Not not an interview, but he had an online news conference. We asked him a couple of questions yesterday afternoon. That was an interesting clip you played in the newscast. I thought what he would say when uh, he was asked something. I'm paraphrasing a bit here on there. What the biggest issue or concern for Nebraska was. I thought he was going to say fentanyl. Okay, I thought that's what he was going to say was things got. But he said it was, it was terrorisms, right? Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Now really? he he does talk about drugs, and we'll have that at six thirty. But uh, yeah, terrorists and and you know he's mentioned terrorists that. coming over the southern border into Nebraska. That's his big. That's his biggest. I'm just making sure I understand yeah. it right. Yeah. Okay. Um. You know, he's in other um, times that we've chatted on the governor's call-in show. He's mentioned uh, working with the FBI and and uh, some of the law enforcement. They're really watching this. The terrorism seems to be the one thing that uh, has, has him most concerned. Yeah, um, because yeah. of the money. He he, he made a, a statement. He said the cartels are funding these terrorists, and we don't even know how many have gotten across the border. Huh. All right. Interesting. Uh, the, and then this, meanwhile, happening while the Senate is about to vote on a, on a bill on. Yeah. On the border, um, they got the hundred and what ninety pages right released yesterday. They got to get sixty votes on it. I, I think the truth of the matter is, Mark. Though, even if they get the votes on it, it's not going to have a shot in the House. No, um, and so nothing's going to happen on this. <laughs> I, nothing, nothing's going to happen policy wise on this again. Nothing's going to happen when the you know I, I don't care if it's Trump or Biden next term. Nothing's going to happen on it then. So. I mean, I'm not trying to. Be, I'm I'm trying to be a political realist here on this whole thing. If it's not if it's not happening now, it's not happening then either. Uh, just in terms of actual federal policy, it'll be so. interesting to see if they break it apart though and and do the uh, 
the uh, funding for Israel, Ukraine, yeah. Taiwan, and and actually split that off from the border uh, and, yeah. and try to take them up independently. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I just don't know how that's going to. Uh, it just finish up. And, and of course, the conversation about it is is well, is it that the bill doesn't do enough? Is there uh, the, then there are some people saying, well, this is just a veiled political ploy, essentially, not to, to make it not look like this administration is getting anything done on this during an election year. Um, you know what? There, that there's that whole conversation that's going around in the back of this thing as well, too. And and like you said, that's meanwhile when you've got all the you've got a whole bunch of governors down there. What like thirteen, fourteen governors? There's were fourteen down there, plus right? Governor Abbott, uh, yeah. from my count. Yeah. Uh, but there are 25 governors that are supporting Texas. Okay. But there were just 15 there yesterday. Um, and then this one was was interesting. I thought I wanted to touch on this. We might get more into this in the in the morning drive uh, this morning. Uh, there will be. Was it last week or the week before? We talked about some of the some of the plans that have gotten out when it comes to expanding the area in Gretna yes. off the interstate. So it it sounds like that there's going to be an effort, well, there is an effort in the Nebraska legislature that would give voters in the city of Gretna the chance to approve that this sort of, it's called a good life district, essentially. Um, And that's the basically like the turn back taxes, the funding mechanism that they would need to actually make this happen. And so there's now a bill uh, about that that would, that would, allow them to essentially have a vote to decide whether to authorize the incentives in that district with the with the with the shopping center so yeah that that is yeah because there was a huge sports complex and a health yep. a health deal so i have no i i do not know i don't have a, a lot of deep knowledge on the uh on the the politics of gretna right on the or on the positions on on what happens with their tax dollars so i have i guess i i don't know if they'd be for it or i assume they'd be for it but i guess maybe not i have no idea Uh, it's not a huge city too right it's like nine thousand people i think ten thousand people maybe yeah but omaha is growing west right i mean gretna's always one of the fastest fast uh, fastest growing it's like gretna and hickman are always at the top of those lists of yeah, I want to see what the population is there. That nine thousand sounds about right. Nine thousand uh, as of July twenty twenty two. So, yeah, that's. Uh, but there, there's but quite, there's quite a there are several developments in that area that probably aren't within the city. That's limits. probably a good point. Yeah, so there's probably another couple of thousand right in that area. It's actually lower than I thought it was by quite a bit. Five, yeah. It was at 5,000 in the 2020 census to give you an idea of how much it's growing in that area. Wow. So, no, so we'll see whether or not that happens is, uh, maybe up to the, maybe up to the local voters to decide. I mean, which makes sense. It's the, it's, it's the local tax money that doesn't go into those coffers, uh, and, and might get turned around so that district can happen. So Nebraska examiner just dropped the story at six, uh, the, race over in the second district don bacon tony vargas uh heating up uh it looks like the fundraising you know if you follow the money trail they're uh, kind of neck and neck 1.1 million in vargas's cash and one and a half in bacon so there you go that's getting you know follow the money yep yep uh, that's gonna be a lot there might be some national interest in that one that's part of why you, you're getting more and more dollars in that one yep. when you're talking about flipping the house every single one of those can be important so Absolutely. all right 
There we go. That's what we got going on. We got a break. I've got a check of sports coming up after this. 29 degrees in the capital city. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. All right, 636, LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLI. You know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing I got the weekend off, which I always do, mostly, uh, because Saturday morning I woke, I had a delayed onset uh, voice loss from the Thursday night basketball game at Pinnacle Bank Arena. I was fine Friday, uh, but apparently this time around I needed sometimes I guess it just takes a while for it to actually impact your voice. Saturday morning, I my voice was cracking up like I was 13 years old. It was incredible. Uh, it was and you can still get a little you can still I just had a little crack there coming into this segment, but a lot better today than it was at the beginning of the weekend. So glad I had glad I had that chance for uh, for your sake and for mine. Hey, just a heads up before we jump into the sound off today, by the way, Caleb Henry out today feeling under the weather. I think he might be gone a couple of days here this week, but uh, hopefully he'll be back by Friday where we will get in to another request line Friday. And this week, this week, uh, and by the way, is this, yeah, this is the last request line Friday before the Munch Madness selection special. Are you kidding me? We are already there a week from this Friday. So what, 12 days from now will be the Munch Madness selection Friday special. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, this Friday, February 9th will be the last request line Friday before Valentine's Day. And so as we usually do this time of year it will be our valentine's day edition of request line friday or as caleb and i have called it in the past the oh yeah version of request line friday so i think that explains completely what it is i've got no further explanation i don't think it's necessary than that you just text in the song that you want to hear that is uh, your song for that moment 402-479-1400 we'll go through them on friday and have some fun with that all right, so now that we've got that out of the way, it is time to jump into the sound off news this weekend on the world geopolitical stage. U.S. retaliating with air U.S. and allies really both retaliating uh, after uh, uh, after they have faced some strikes from rebels, Houthi rebels in Yemen, and they have uh, struck back both with drone strikes and with the actual uh, airstrikes as well. One day after that bone strike from those B-1s, U.S. and British jets launched airstrikes into 
to Yemen against Iran's rebel army on Saturday. 36 targets, although smaller than the opening salvo on January 11th, the opening night of the strikes in Yemen. That was 60 targets. Super Hornets from Ike last night joined with British playmates, tornadoes from Cyprus. USS Gravely, pictured here, fired Tomahawk cruise missiles into Yemen just a few days after shooting down that missile that almost hit her ship. It's notable British warships in the Red Sea do not have the ability to launch missiles into Yemen to hit targets on land. That's why those tornadoes were used. Britain's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak posting on X, last night, Royal Air Force Typhoon successfully took out specific Houthi military targets in Yemen, further degrading the Houthis' capabilities. Recent attacks on UK and international vessels are unacceptable. It's our duty to protect innocent lives and preserve freedom. All right. So um, you, those U.S. forces were were looking for, it sounds like, uh, land attack cruise missile, anti-ship missiles that they said were ready to target ships in the Red Sea. Uh, that was after those coalition attacks on targets over the weekend. Um, and the National Security Advisor isn't even ruling out additional strikes actually inside Iran uh, after this, after the first wave of retaliatory strikes uh, against Iran, back to militant targets in Iraq and Syria as well. Uh, and you've got the Secretary of State who is going to be traveling to the Middle East to push for the release of hostages um, this week as well. And so that'll be pretty significant here. There's the framework for a deal that's agreed to in Paris is being uh, reviewed by Israel and Hamas right now. Uh, and so perhaps they're going to strike a deal when it, cause you still got hostages, uh, who are, who are being held right now. So, uh, obviously a, a lot going on and a very tense situation still in the Middle East. Back at home, the Senate is going to take a look at the border bill that we had talked about earlier. They have the text of it now. Will they be able to get 60 votes and send it on to the House? President Biden says he strongly supports the agreement reached by Senate negotiators and says the legislation will make the border more secure and treat people fairly and humanely. Current migrant encounters at the border are at a level that would trigger the ability for President Biden to shut down the border. A senior administration official says the president would do that on day one, severely restricting asylum claims. Officials also say more than $20 billion in border funding would provide resources to dramatically speed up the screening process for asylum seekers, cutting down wait times from years to months. Jared Halpern, Fox News. I don't, you know, I, maybe you think it sounds hyperbolic when I say this, but if they don't get this done here, which I don't think they will, I don't, I don't see a scenario. I mean, obviously, I guess barring getting um, one party getting a super majority in both houses and the presidency, uh, I don't see anything happen. I mean, policy's not uh, there's there's just not a political situation if it's not happening now uh, in this in this one in the coming years. No matter what happens in the presidential race, that you're going to be getting something actual policy wise that is done there. And so, what's been problematic is going to continue to be problematic. And maybe it would have still with the with the bill, or it would would have been perfect, but. There's just you're just not going to get legislation. It just they they failed to do it for years. They're going to fail to do it again this time around and uh, and move on to 2024 elections. And then whatever you've got uh, in the White House and Congress after that justice moving on. All right. Speaking of that. Sorry about the quick pull there on that one. Uh, speaking of who is uh, in the White House. At the end of 2024 and into 2025, big Supreme Court hearing this week about those controversies and about whether or not Trump should be on the ballot or whether or not 
Officials were right. Courts were right in barring him from the ballot because of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. Supreme Court will hear arguments coming up on Thursday. Justices are fast-tracking an appeal from former President Trump after Colorado's Supreme Court ruled he is disqualified from the state's primary election ballot because of the 14th Amendment's insurrection clause. Arguments are set for Thursday morning. The court has already announced added time for arguments. And while this case is about Colorado, a ruling could have wide-ranging implications. Ballot challenges are pending in several other states. Maine's Secretary of State disqualified former President Trump, a decision on hold until the Supreme Court rules on the Colorado case. In Washington, Jared Halpern, Fox News. All right. If you've been listening, you've heard me say I think Trump is going to come out uh, on top on that one at the Supreme Court. I think... uh I would I'd be surprised if he doesn't. I think he'll be end up being on all of the ballots, but you know we'll see. I guess the court has surprised people in the past, but I think this one is. I think we know where this one is going, given the given the makeup of the Supreme Court right now. Uh, current president, back to this. So I I didn't even remember this from last year, and I don't know if you guys. I'm usually thinking of football and I suppose commercials on Super Bowl Sunday, and politics is the last thing that's even close to my mind, but. Uh, apparently the president didn't sit down last year for an interview, uh, before the Super Bowl, which had been, uh, tradition in the past. You had, I mean, I, I remember Trump doing, I remember, I remember Obama used to sit down with Bill O'Reilly and do those sometimes. That was a, that was the thing. Um, it's been a fairly regular t- tradition in the past, but they said no last year and apparently they are uh, they being the Biden administration saying no again this year. CBS which is airing this year's matchup between the Chiefs and 49ers had engaged in talks with the White House recently about a sit down but the president ultimately decided to turn down the chat. The Super Bowl is the most watched TV event with last year's game drawing 115 million viewers. The tradition of a formal interview on Super Bowl Sunday began with President Obama in 2009. President Biden isn't the only president to skip the interview in recent years. President Trump skipped the sit-down with NBC in 2018. Okay. Chris DeMeo, Fox News. All right. Well, I mean, you know, I listen, I got from a from a from a purely selfish perspective on this, not giving any analysis on what it means that he wouldn't do something like that right now. Uh I am fine with that being I'm I'm fine with more politics-free things in my life, to be honest with you. I would uh, I would be glad to focus on uh, focus on the game and, and the commercials and everything else. I mean, I would even say Taylor Swift, but now that's super political, too. So um, so I don't think we're going to get away with it. We, that'll, that'll probably take the place of any presidential interview as the ongoing debate about what that means exactly coming up on Sunday. Uh, we've talked about high grocery prices in uh, some cases over the last few years. And one of the specific items that you might notice being up is beef. I definitely have noticed ground beef, especially the prices of that are crazy, especially if you're trying to get like the leaner cuts of, of ground beef. You're going to pay a ton per pound for that compared to what the prices have previously been. Part of the reason for it, though, is not only just inflation, but a lack of cows that are around right now bringing down supply. The price could be higher because the number of cows in the U.S. is lower. The U.S. Department of Agriculture says the nationwide beef cattle inventory has dropped to about 28 million. That's the lowest level since the 70s. The number is also down by 2% since last year. 
Agricultural economists say persistent drought has taken its toll over the last three years in the big beef-producing states of Texas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. Increasing feed cost and inflation are also putting pressure on farmers and consumers. Tom Rigotti, Fox News. Interesting. Interesting. So it is a little bit about other costs going up for things, but it's a lot about drought just in, in these parts of the country as well. And you remember when you had the bird flu stuff and that raised up raised up grocery prices as well. And so it's kind of you've got a lot. It's not always just the economy and and just normal inflation. It's there's just a lot of factors that are coalescing together at a bad time for so many of these things now. Uh, I, I, I know, I listen, at least this winter, um, at least this winter is going to help a little bit with, with drought situations here at this point. How about that? All that rain over the course of the, the weekend and more are coming. Now, I don't think that's going to single handedly fix the, you know, the cow supply, but nonetheless, hopefully things are improving when it comes to some of the drought conditions that are going on here, especially in this state. A big happy birthday is in order this week. To the oldest person in the United States. She, ladies and gentlemen, can you believe this, is turning 116 years old. The town of Willits, California is turning out today to help Edie Ceccarelli celebrate her 116th birthday. She's not only the oldest living person in America, but the second oldest person on earth. Her birthday is an annual cause for celebration in Willits, which will party with a parade in her honor, complete with town employees, boy scouts, horses, and a locally famous dog walker. The town has been celebrating with her since she turned 100 when she invited everyone to the party. And yes, there will be cake. One of the caretakers at her assisted living home says her family has ordered carrot cake and strawberry ice cream. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Incredible. Incredible. However however old you are now, okay? Whatever age you are now, subtract that from 116 and say... Can you imagine if you had that many more years left? <laughs> like, I had 70 more years. I'm, four, I'm 46. Can I, I can't even fathom that I would be significant, way, way less. Like, only like one-third of the way done. Almost. Uh, with life, if that were the case. Up to 116. Uh, let me see. Let's do the math. Right? Born in 1908. 19, 1908, would that be right? Yeah, 1908 would be the year that she would, you know, that she was born. So, like, you imagine she's having her, she's having the party. I love, I love thinking this, having the party, the over the hill party, right? They bring you the black balloons and give you prune juice and ha ha ha, you're, you're old, you're halfway there, ha ha. Also, it's 1948. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but congratulations to her, a 116 years old. Like to know what her secret is exactly. There's always when they ask people what the secret is, they're always like, "Just a shot of vodka every day," or something like crazy like that. Uh, that that seems to always be there. Uh, all right, this is this is an interesting story too. Plans to build the world's tallest flagpole. You're not going to believe how tall it was going to be. Have unfortunately, in my mind, have unfortunately been scratched. Why was this the case and where was this happening? Let's find out more. The family behind an ambitious plan to erect the world's tallest flagpole as the centerpiece of a billion-dollar project to honor veterans is abandoning the idea. 
It would have been taller than the Empire State Building, topped with an American flag larger than a football field visible from miles away. The proposal unveiled two years ago divided the town of Columbia Falls northeast of Bar Harbor with many of its 485 residents in opposition. It also called for a village with living history museums, a 4,000-seat auditorium, and a sprawling monument with the names of every veteran who has died since the American Revolution, about 24 million total. Tom Rigotti, Fox News. Okay, I'm super disappointed. I'm not going to be able to see a flagpole the size of the Empire State Building. Very disappointed. Who's? I'm sure they had some kind of a crank to get that thing raised and lowered every single day, but holy cow. All right, got to take a break. That is it for our sound off at 6.52. You are listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. It's time for Tom's Talk on 1499.3 KLIN. The sounds of referee whistles are disappearing on high school basketball courts and football fields across Nebraska. Right now, there's a huge shortage of officials, and many of them are quitting due to poor sportsmanship, including verbal abuse by parents and other fans. Nate Newhouse is the supervisor of officials for the Nebraska School Activities Association. He tells me they've been losing a lot of good referees. We're doing what we can to address that. It starts with drawing awareness to the situation, and then hopefully that bleeds into our association, our member schools, and our spectators taking action to show a little better sportsmanship and respect and appreciate what our officials do. I think we're slowing the decrease in officials. So our initiatives are working, but we got a lot of work to do. Newhouse says some of the stories he's heard goes beyond the typical boos and chants that come from the stands. It's the events that take place or trickle into after the game in the hallways or in the parking lots or on social media where it's a continued fallout from the contest. He tells me they are doing the best they can to recruit new officials and to retain the ones they already have. We're down 20 to 30 officials each year in each season. Some sports are different than others, but we track it across fall, winter, and spring. And in some sports, we're holding steady. In some sports, we're down a handful. And maybe even in some sports, we might be up by five or 10 officials. But big picture, we need more, and we're working on doing just that. When there is a shortage of officials, Newhouse says they have to adjust their schedules to make sure... All the games get played. You'll see a football game that's played on Friday afternoon and Thursday night, and that's the reason why, because we didn't have enough officials to cover it on the traditional Friday night, like most people are accustomed to playing, or a volleyball game or a basketball game gets moved or rescheduled because of the inability to find officials. Newhouse provides some statistics on how poor sportsmanship impacts the turnover rate of referees. Data from an in-state survey as well as a national survey is showing that most new officials quit within their first three years. Now, you can lend that to they're probably learning, inexperienced, and maybe the game doesn't go well, so then they're treated poorly. So we have to educate and train our officials so that they can advance and improve at a quick pace. He admits being part of high school sports in Nebraska is not for the faint of heart. The coaches do. They sometimes are faced with poor sportsmanship, and the athletes many times do. Our officials do. So being a part of athletics anymore is more and more tough, and you're going to have to have some thick skin and deal with some uncomfortable situations. What's most concerning to Newhouse is when the verbal abuse that officials receive goes to a new level. We have had... Responses to our survey that indicate a small percentage of our 
and state officials have been faced with either physical threats or physical violence. And that's where we really have to address the issue because that is uncalled for. He's appealing to parents and other fans to make sure they keep their emotions in check during and after the game and also keep in mind that their actions could impact future games. There are going to be good calls, bad calls, right calls, wrong calls, tough calls, controversial calls. But at the end of the day, if we all take a moment and respect and appreciate what these officials are doing, taking time out of their personal lives to officiate and allow these students to play and allow their parents to watch, take a moment and keep it in perspective. Newhouse tells me they are doing the best they can to get more officials, and he has this message for anyone thinking about signing up. The number one reason individuals get into officiating is to give back to a game they played and they love and they appreciated the opportunity. And if we want to continue to provide those opportunities to the next generation of athletes, we need the next generation of officials. Newhouse says if you want to be part of that next generation, you can go to their website at nsaahome.org. There's an officials page where you can sign up. You can also call the office at 402-489-0386 and speak directly with Newhouse. Hear Tom's talk Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 655 or listen to the podcast anytime at KLIN.com. love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by march 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly because no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax makes them count that means getting 100 dollars back and 100 percent accurate taxes only from intuit TurboTax. must file by 331 credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service offer can be modified or terminated at any time You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in 710 on a Monday morning, February 5th, 2024. 29 degrees, cloudy skies in the capital city. I don't know how much better it is now than when I came in a couple of hours ago, but that was some that was as bad a fog as I've seen here in the last couple of weeks when I came in this morning. So uh, that could impact your commute this morning if you're uh, not already out and about. Good news, though. Uh, good news, though. We are returning, at least good news for me if you're uh, in the same position that I am, uh, returning to some more mild temperatures over the course of the next few days. Uh, today, we'll be kind of flirting with that 50-degree mark, maybe just short of it, uh, then a little bit better on Tuesday, 57, probably going to hit 60 on both Wednesday, Wednesday and 
Thursday, and then uh, and then cool, cooling down a bit for the weekend next weekend. Fifty one Friday, forty eight Saturday, uh, forty three on Sunday. But but keep in mind that gets us nearly halfway through February. There at that point, and there is no sign right now. There's no sign right now of winter coming back in any meaningful way from a temperature or precipitation standpoint. Not saying it's over, nor that will never will. But again, when you keep, as I say, chopping off weeks, uh, the the chances get lower and lower that you're going to have especially repeated extensive snaps of cold or winter precipitation. Uh, and then when it does happen, especially if you get into March, when you do eventually get that precipitation, which you oftentimes do in Lincoln in March, it just usually just doesn't last very long because of the nature of the temperatures in the month of March. So feel like we're, we're it's that key two week period between February 15th and right. It's a leap year. So February 29th this year, Thursday to Thursday, that is going to be that is going to be the potential of a real last gasp of winter or not. Are we going to get it those last two weeks or not? That's about as far as the the extended forecasts go out. Right now is up to about Valentine's Day, uh, so we will see if that delivers it or or it does not. We move on to the month of March. Interesting article I read uh, over the weekend here. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it. It was uh, in the World Herald actually. Uh, you, you know how a topic of conversation on this show many times has been uh, Animal Thunderdome in Lincoln and what has been an increase of some very specific types of animals in Lincoln. I mean, honestly, <laughs> any animal that was here, it just feels like there's more of. Now, I don't know, maybe... Maybe you could argue, maybe some of you guys can point out some that it feels like there's less of than there used to be. But without a doubt, we've talked about this. No question, no question, way more foxes than there used to be. No question, uh, there's a lot of geese around, right? I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know how recent that increase has happened, but there's just a lot of them around. We've had the discussion about coyotes multiple times, multiple summers here as well. And you'll see them. I'll, I've I've had actual you know I've seen them two or three times when I had never and that's in the last probably two years I'd never seen one in Lincoln before that. Now we have the article in the World Herald that is talking about Lincoln and Omaha seeing more and more bald eagles. That that has now uh, been something that numbers are just really going up. And this was a species, of course, that that there was a lot of concern about how uh, how endangered that they were at this point but there's food sources in in Lincoln and Omaha and they're they're showing up more and more and more I know that I've I've heard it I've never I've still never seen one in Lincoln I'm a little jealous of you who have I know some of you have because I think we talked about this a couple of years ago and some some people sent us some pictures but I know there was a photo taken of one at like 84th and South in in late January, I know there have been reports of them sightings in a nest around Holmes Lake or Holmes Lake Golf Course as well. Uh, I've still never seen one. someday I I hope to. I'm very excited uh, for the time that that I actually see them. But yeah, I I didn't realize. I mean, I knew that there were some sightings of them, but I didn't realize just how much more common that they were. They were on the endangered species list from 1978 to 2007. Uh, So in 1963, 
there were only an estimated 400, little over 400 breeding pairs of bald eagles in the lower 48. That increased by 1997, so this is still an old number, but that increased from 417 to more than 5,000 in 1997. Like Nebraska Game and Parks, there have been so many bald eagles in Nebraska now that they don't even they don't even monitor the numbers anymore at this point. They I mean they're they can guess, they guessed for this article. They said there's maybe up to 300 nesting sites in the state at this point. Um and so so they've been successful with uh with the efforts to preserve them and have them have them out now again. You get them in places where they've got food sources. Uh, do you know? Do you know what one of the main predators uh, or what one of the main things that eagles like to eat are? Waterfowl. Yeah, they like to eat waterfowl, which makes me realize in all my in all my complaining over the last several years about the, I mean, let's call a spade a spade about the annoying Canada geese in this city. And I'm talking to you, Canada geese out there by St. Elizabeth. I'm talking to you, Canada geese over by the Campbells at 56th and Pine Lake Road, and probably many, many other places. I'm sure around Holmes Lake, probably around Oak Lake. Uh, I'm talking to, 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 to you, Canada geese. And I've, I've often... Wax poetic about there being some kind of a situation where you had more predators that were kind of controlling the Canada goose population in Lincoln. What I didn't realize is, well, that that's actually happening. That's literally happening with almost every thing that I mentioned having specifically gone up in numbers in Lincoln, just anecdotally, coyotes, red foxes, bald eagles. Um those three for sure, those three for sure are are all some level of a predator of of Canada goose. So maybe nature is working itself out with this whole thing. Perhaps, perhaps my perhaps my requests are being granted by another Mother Nature with this whole thing. Do you guys think there are fewer? Okay, this is but this is an interesting question. I'm curious what you what you say on the text line. Uh, and and by the way, you can let me know if you are. Uh, Dealer Dave says, I, "Yeah, Dealer Dave, you didn't let me get get to my uh, get to my point here." He says, "Eagles eat geese." Jack, nature is solving problems for us exactly. And then he included a nice picture. Uh, I don't know if he got it from the internet or from its own personal his own personal collection. I'm going to guess it's from the internet of a bald eagle standing on a uh, looks like a slain Canada goose. Oh, it looks like a frozen body of water, right? I know it's. It's like I want to. I think owls probably are a little, a little bit of a predator that way. I have seen an owl in Lincoln, but not many. Like for some reason, I have had the sightings for me personally of the land mammals in Lincoln that are rare. I I would say I've had three or four. Uh, this isn't even counting like my cameras around my house. Like in person, I've had probably three times that I've seen a coyote. I don't even count how many times I've seen a fox before. I mean, it's not even, it's barely even, it's crazy. Five years ago, five, seven years ago, if I saw a fox, I would have been like, oh, got to get my camera out. 
gotta gotta get this. I gotta tell people about this whole thing. Now it's just like, meh. There it is. There it is. So I think I think that's that's true. Asterisk James says every time uh, Jack mentions his foxes in the Animal Thunderdome, I grab my chest and say, Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. <laughs> OG Steven said I had a fox barking loudly outside my window the other night. Do foxes bark? I did, I guess I didn't. I, I guess I didn't know exactly. Uh, they probably make some noise like that. I did not know that. I wouldn't know what a fox sound sounds like. I wouldn't hear it out there and be like, oh, yeah, classic red fox situation. Uh, that's interesting. Fox barking loudly outside the window. That'd be annoying. My, if that happened at my house, you guys, and I know a lot of you can relate to me, uh, my dog would go berserk in the middle of the night if he thought he heard a fox or something that sounded anything like a dog. I mean, listen, he hears the neighbors flush their toilet and he loses his mind. Let alone a fox outside. Uh, Brad and Fox Hollow says we have great horned owls in our area as well occasionally. I've seen one once. So that was my my original point. Like, I've seen the coyotes, coyotes, I've seen the coyotes, coyotes, whatever you want. I've seen the foxes, right? I have not seen, I, I have zero bald eagle sightings. I have, I think, maybe one, and I think it was a great horned owl, but I don't even know it was from a little bit of a distance. I have one owl sighting. Maybe I just need to look up more often. Perhaps that's the uh, the actual problem here. But if things are working out, and if what Dealer Dave said is right, should we not be seeing, are we seeing, maybe we're seeing it, I'm not even accentuating the positive enough here. Are we seeing a decrease in Lincoln's most annoying animal population? The Canada goose. Are we seeing that? Maybe we are. You know, come to think of it, it's been a while since I've been just stopped on 70th Street by a family of Canada geese who do not have any interest in making their road crossing more efficient for either of us. It's been a while. Maybe things are getting better. Are things getting better in the Canada goose world? Perhaps. Here's a crazy thing that I didn't even know about Canada geese either, right? They seem so ubiquitous here. They have, and this is not a unique situation to Lincoln. This is happening all over the place in the United States, Canada, obviously, where you've got them in in more urban settings everywhere year-round at this point. Um, But did you know that there was a time... The Canada goose subspecies was believed to be extinct in the 1950s? I had no idea. In 1962, a small flock of Canada geese was discovered wintering in Rochester, Minnesota by Harold Hansen of the Illinois Natural History Survey. In 1964, the Northern Prairie Wildlife Research Center was built near Jamestown, North Dakota, and its first director had them leave to Minnesota to head to the center's Canada Goose Production and Restoration Program. They soon had 64 pens with 64 breeding pairs of screened, high-quality birds. And it involved private, state, federal dollars. Had a bunch of people. By the end of 1981, they turned those 64 pens with 64 couples into more than 6,000 geese that they released to 83 sites in 26 counties in North Dakota. 
I think we found the guilty party here. Harvey K. Nelson and Forrest Lee in 1964 in Jamestown, North Dakota. That's that is the issue. Now I didn't. I don't. I was not cheering for them to go extinct, which sounds like they were close enough to being extinct that people actually thought they were. But and now you know they went from sixty four pens, sixty four breeding pairs, people thinking they were extinct, to more than six thousand that were released in that specific situation. To the point that now, since then, since nineteen eighty one, they're considered they're considered. Uh, Pests in all kinds of places because of droppings, because of the noise, because they're confrontational, because they're annoying. They don't care about anything because they won't cross the street any faster. Uh, But I think nature, again, nature may be healing in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we can all celebrate. Uh, Let's see. We got a Mike sent a picture. See, Mike got a picture on Holmes by the 13th green at home. That's a great picture. Thank you, Mike. He said squirrels and ducks on the menu. Two babies last year, too. Um, Jerry says in 1985, only Canada geese in Lincoln were at Holmes Lake. That sounds right. I mean, that that stands to reason with uh, with that background that I just read. Um Chris in Alexis says, my brother lives near where the war horse is going. I've seen multiple bald eagles flying around the ponds near his backyard. Um, Jules says, I know a recording of a sick goose being broadcast in my employment to get rid of the geese. Really? <laughs> Moshpichet says, Jack, you need to update your resume to goose aficionado and historian. Don't accuse me of that. I am a critic. I am a, if, if nothing else, I am a critic and an opponent and an adversary of the Canada goose. And all my friends, the bald bald eagles and the foxes and the coyotes are coming to help me. 725, we'll take a break. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3. All right, let's count it down, starting with number five. Governor Jim Pillen joined more than a dozen other Republican governors yesterday in Eagle Pass, Texas, pledging continued support for Texas Governor Greg Abbott's months-long dispute with President Joe Biden over border security. Interesting. So uh, they've had this, I mean, there, there have been these disputes kind of about what the state can do versus what the feds can do. Can the feds stop them? For doing some of these things, uh, and so I think that's a big part of 
why you had these governors that were down there uh, kind of showing support this time around. And, I mean, let's be honest, there's some, some politics that are at play as well. What I wonder is how, you know, the governor of Nebraska, Governor Pillen, pledged help for Texas. What does that look like at this point? Because they deployed... What members of the of the National Guard and some state patrol resources in the past to the tune of about a million dollars as well. Uh, how much more exactly is that going to be? What is that going to look like? Are, are we going to involve the National Guards, uh, state patrol? What exactly would be what would more support look like? I guess. And we didn't find a ton of detail out about that, despite the fact that he said he yes he was yesterday on doing that on his uh, online streaming news conference that I uh, attended. He was asked what uh, shape that support would take uh, in the future. I pretty much declined to answer it, yeah. but it did say that uh, one of the people that went with him was uh, a Nebraska National Guard adjutant general. Mm-hmm. And he says, when we get back, we're going to go over all of the options and, and try to determine what we can do and what type of support is needed. So he didn't really dodge the question, right. but... Says that he said he wants to help, but wants wants to help, and I mean he says every state's a border state, right, right. Um, this is all going on, of course, and we just heard it at the bottom of the hour from Fox. We had Republican Senator James Lankford, uh, who nego- who's one of the negotiators, basically in putting this bill together, a border bill. Um, you know, staunch conservative in in the Senate, and he sounded a little peeved there at the bottom of the hour that. He thought that there were that it sounded like there were going to be other Republicans that weren't going to vote for this here at this point. Uh, well, Speaker he, Mike Johnson said it's yeah, dead in the House. That, yeah, that's what that's what he's and it probably is. It probably is. But the Senate is the focus now, and they've got to get sixty votes there for it to even move on from the Senate to the House. But as yeah, like you said, just no, you know, it, it'll be more of a challenge in the House because of the makeup of the House here at that point. And so I would ex- I would expect that. <laughs> that nothing's going to happen on the policy end yeah. of of this whole thing on the federal policy end of the whole thing. Just like in, I mean, it never does. Let's be honest; it well, it, it really never does. So the, the the part that confuses me a little is a lot of Republicans say the president already has the authority to to shut down the border. Uh, he's saying he doesn't. Yeah, uh, the Supreme Court said that Texas could not uh, uh, had to allow the uh, Customs and Border Protection into that park that they shouldn't be putting up yep. razor wire. Yep. Yeah, customs, that's what I was talking about at the beginning of yep. the segment. Uh, right. But Customs and Border Protection haven't touched it. Right. They may have the authority to, but it seems as though their actions are speaking way louder than any words. They're leaving it in place. Right. And then, is there a concern too? And I, I, listen, I don't, I don't know the answer, but are there, you know, are, are there people just shifting crossing points then too when those sorts of things happen how much of an issue is that through this whole thing how many crossing points are there in this situation so a lot of questions it doesn't look like there's going to be uh despite the vote and it's going to get a lot of press this week um i don't think a lot is going to happen in washington dc on this and so the battles are the ones that you're talking about right now kind of on the on the ground in texas at this right, point, right. in terms of the in terms of the enforcements and the jurisdictions and all of those things, and it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly what the governor uh, does propose. Maybe we'll hear that a week from today, perhaps, uh, perhaps on the radio show. Yep, week from today. All right, uh, that's coming up February twelfth, two o'clock p.m. Right here on KLIN, originating here on KLIN. 
number four. Gretna voters would have a say in whether a proposed Good Life District project pitched as a regional destination along I-80 for tourists and shoppers would move forward. Uh, the, there's a bill in the Nebraska legislature that would uh, allow for some turnback of sales taxes in that area if local voters approve. Yeah, so they would have to they'd have to basically give thumbs up with Gretna and anybody else who did one of these projects that, through this Good Life plan, um, whether to authorize the incentives that would that would make this whole thing happen. And so we'll see. So the developer essentially then I guess makes the pitch to the to the town who I, I'm, I'm sure there'll be people who oppose the whole thing uh, as well. And they're voting on essentially, like you said, turn back tax, like diverting some of the revenue that comes in from the district back into the district, essentially, thus the term turn back into it at that point. Um, So you could use part of the the sales tax uh, that you would get from that that would collect there, uh, among other things. So they would vote essentially whether or not you can do this incentive uh, program or not and then city would would essentially do the program on this if that actually happens. So I guess the question is the question is Mark what's Gretna going to say? <laughs> do they want does Gretna want this monster I say monster like negative connotation. I don't necessarily have a negative connotation, but let's just be let's just be straight. When we talked about the examiner article that laid out some of the plans yeah, for this that they had right. it's huge it's huge it's massive in terms of the youth sports fields academy uh stores hotels i mean it's a it's a massive project the way that it at least has been, Five, what, been envisioned so 500 far. acres i think something like that yeah it, it's huge and but, so i don't know how to get in the minds of I, don't know. I wonder what Gretna thinks about this. I don't know either, but, you know, it's quite a ways from Nebraska Crossing into uh, Gretna proper. Good point. So, so I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly how close it will be to what is now Gretna. That's a good point. It feels like it's, it does, it doesn't feel like, Gretna doesn't feel like it starts till you get, you know, you pass that runza over there right. by the high school. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. It, it, it doesn't feel like that's. That's part of it. And yeah, how much does the fact that there is kind of a physical separation I mean, even, between even, the town and that whole thing? Because most of the traffic is going to be interstate-based, right? I would think, related to it. Right. But I have no idea what to what to think in terms of whether or not that they would they would go for it. I mean, I think I, I, think I probably know what I would say if it were here. Well, they're looking at a lot of development between Lincoln and Omaha, so I'm, I'm guessing that they're going to have a a pretty good story to tell. Yeah. Whether or not it'll it'll sell the, the voters. Yeah, like you said, that's gonna, the developer is basically going to have to make the case uh, on on that whole thing. So that'll be fascinating to watch what happens with this bill and then potentially an ev- eventual vote from the city of Gretna about whether or not this is actually going to uh, happen and have this huge, huge project, huge development there around Nebraska Crossing. And that's before we even talk about the still the potential for a lake that's out there as well. Yeah. Number three. It's on the city council agenda. They meet this afternoon, and it looks like the downtown senior center, that's right there on O Street between uh, 9th and 10th, right? Yes. Uh, Going to be sold. Uh, the Gold's Building Developers, Rev Development, initially offered 500000 for the building. Uh, it was owned by the county and city at the time. Uh, they had a, another... Uh, 
bid come in, I guess. And so, anyway, it's going to be about 300000 more, 800000 but right. way less than it had been assessed. For. Well, we know how that can go, don't we, Mark? Uh, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at that point, you're just, I, I assume... I mean, I, I know, actually, having, because Margaret Reese did a story on this. Wasted away, and Margaret Reeseville did, uh, did a story on this. And, like, the plan with it is just demolish the building, right? Um, or it, it, or it can make it part of the Gold's development project. Okay. Um, but there, this is all kind of hanging, too, then, on the potential of maybe a convention center proposal that's in that area too correct and that could change what the what the use is there you remember that's that's one of the areas as well but this is going to be they're they're renovating the golds building you saw the work downtown where they tore that thing down they're putting the the northern part of the building they're turning that into a hampton inn hotel which i don't know if i even realized that we were talking just the other day mark about the increasing number of hotel beds in yeah, well, in drury, downtown lincoln and they're adding drury, another one of them has got like what 300 right? yeah the drury one in the journal star this one as well hampton in this um just still way 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 continuing to uh to go up in terms of those hotel rooms in in downtown lincoln nebraska but that that convention center prospect as margaret mentioned in the story is in the mix as well they wanted to the development company that bought this. They they're interested in s- submitting one of these proposals to assemble Lincoln. So we'll see. So that I mean everything's kind of up in the air. I think based on that a little bit. By the way, in case you are wondering, uh, the eight hundred thousand that they're getting for the building, the assessed value is two point six million. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Again, and that's what. Yeah. But you similar, know, we had a similar situation. I mean, I don't know all the details and the numbers, but I mean, we were uh, we talked about this on the air quite a bit. Is yeah. that there was uh, there's a big for sale sign on the on the building that we're in right now, and uh, I think that was kind of a similar situation in some ways, probably uh, in yep. terms of. The I don't interest. think that sign's still up there, is it? I don't think so, but I will listen to any offers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm authorized to do that. <laughs> Number three. Oops, wrong one. Next one. Number two. Uh, Nebraska basketball put together its best road performance of the year against uh, Illinois last night in Champaign, but the last-minute comeback fell short uh, in overtime. Uh, they fell to uh, uh, the Illini with final of uh, 87-84. You're right. It was the best the best they played on the road during the conference season against a Illinois team that's that's up there. And you know, I really thought I thought Nebraska might. Might have a tough time of it, especially coming after that win in Lincoln, emotional win on Lincoln just Thursday. Um, Illinois is their best player back in Terrence Shannon after he's had some legal woes. Those are on the back burner for right now. And they've they've looked really good at times this year. Nebraska, I went away from that game. Guys, I went away sad and angry because they were one stop away from pulling off that upset and putting themselves into really 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 good position for uh having an ncaa tournament if they get that road win which would be a quad one win in the first road win um and, and put them up some rarefied air in the big 10 standings i was that's why i was sad i was mad because man maybe maybe i'm by i am biased i obviously am biased but boy it sure felt like every call down the stretch that could have been really beneficial and really big seemed to go towards Illinois' way during the last couple of minutes of the regular season, or regular uh, time period and overtime as well. But all that said, that sadness, that anger, that frustration, 
I think all in all, overall, it was really encouraging how they played on the road in that game and hopefully kind of indicates they're going to be peaking here as this last month. As, as John Baylor always says about the volleyball team, got to peak at the right time. Um, and maybe those road games going forward, maybe this is a sign and we'll get a good shot of that on Wednesday night when they go to Evanston and play uh, Northwestern, another another solid team that gave Nebraska a really close game in Lincoln. If they can put up that kind of an effort, get a win there, um, it's going to... It's going to start getting really, really real in terms of the NCAA possibilities if they can grab one of those road games. So disappointing, but still, I think, some encouragement uh, there as well. All right, we'll finish this one up. Number one. Well, Taylor Swift had a big night at the Grammys, but actually drew some social media criticism over an awkward moment when she appeared to ignore surprise uh, presenter Celine Dion. So she's announcing, if you didn't see it, Celine Dion is announcing the album of the year. It was a surprise that she was there. She's been completely out of the public eye because she's had some health issues and neurological disorder that causes muscle stiffness and and spasms. So Celine Dion announced Swift. She wins. She wins the thing. Taylor comes up and I'm Here's how the People Magazine article put it. A seemingly shocked Swift took the stage and appeared to ignore the industry icon when she grabbed the gramophone statuette from her hands before proceeding with her acceptance speech that included no mention of Dion. Now, are we being are we being too nitpicky on this thing? I will say watching it a lot. Yes, I was watching it. I like the Grammys. I was watching it. When watching it, I was like, I didn't notice the the grab until they were replaying it all over social media last night where she did just it's like man not even a hug I kept thinking she was going to say something though about Celine Dion I kept thinking she was like I was like she's going to say something right she's going to say something with both of them it'd be really cool if she said something and then she didn't and ah uh, I'm going to get my my daughter is going to be so mad at me my daughter's going to be so I'm it. I'm going to create some it. real family tension with what but her first acceptance speech was just a commercial for her new album I don't know, man. But you know what? Maybe, though, Mark, maybe it is all a ploy to take attention away from the deep state plan to rig the Super Bowl. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is all part of the plan. Celine Dion, maybe Celine Dion, on behalf of of Canada, is in on this thing, too. That's as legitimate as a conspiracy theory as I've ever. Maybe heard. that was on. Listen, if this if this theory is not there already, it will be by the end of today. But this whole thing was staged, yep. uh, and Celine Dion was in on it at this point, and this is to take attention away. This is to kind of you know move the ball here, so people are focusing on the wrong thing when they should be focusing on uh, what's going to. So she's going to Japan now. Doing some doing uh, some concerts, coming back to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, and I think we all know. And then heads to Australia. And then to Australia after that. So maybe she should take Celine with her, give her some free tickets or something. That might now watch Celine be up there in the box with her for the Super Bowl in Vegas. Oh, would that be something? <laughs> I bet Celine Dion does not give a crap about the NFL. Tell you that right now. <laughs> she's more she's more into hockey. She's a, yeah. probably a former Quebec Nordiques fan. Probably why she's so talented. Uh, all right, there you go. That's it for your morning drives. By uh, Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. You are listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Save her traffic. 
You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. All right. Heads up. Uh, very early in the week, but Friday is coming. It's Monday, but Friday's coming. And this uh, week, it's a Valentine's Day edition of Request Line Friday. So your best romantic songs, get them in there on the text line, 402-479-1400. And we will spin them for you on Friday to get ready for the weekend. we got 30 degrees in the capital city. Tim Haruza, Mike Schaefer coming up next hour, 8 o'clock, KLI and Lincoln. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Lofgren. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. I start walking your way, you start walking mine. We meet in the middle, meet that old Georgia pine. We gain a lot of ground. All right, it is time to talk shop with Tim Haruza. Bring him on to talk Nebraska news and politics inside look at what's going on in the Nebraska legislature. Good morning, Tim. Uh, Happy February. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm looking out my window and I can't see squat. It is it is soupy out there today. Jeez. Yeah, like a block and a half visibility at times when I'm outside I'm, this thing this morning. Crazy. I'm, I'm driving in the neighborhood behind our studios here at 44th and now I usually go in the back way. I had to like pull up and shine my headlights on the street sign because normally I you know, I can just see my surroundings and what street I'm on and what the houses are. I had to look. I lost. I lost track of where I was. It'll disorient you really quickly. Uh, so luckily, I did. I did make it here safe today, though. So we can all take a sigh. It's that old. It's that old law school case reference, right? The fog was like pea soup. Yes, that's what. That must be what I had in the back of my mind. I forgot of that. That is. That must be where that that was lying latent in the back of my mind for twenty years here. That's funny. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so, so let, let, let me ask you, uh, where are we? I guess it, it's interesting because the story really of the session has been unlike, you know, unlike last year, it is a, uh, 
kind of a fiscal issue that has been front and center so far, so far this legislative session. Uh, and it is what's happening with property taxes. What do you need to do? What can you do to get some property tax relief? We had a lot of hearings on that. Uh, we've heard about some of the bills, some of the different uh, plans that are out there for the governor talk about it. Where are we? I guess let's just start with just kind of telling us where are we in the process of, of this. And there's a lot of moving parts, too. How does it all come together here in the coming weeks? Yeah, we are moving our way closer to well, just past the third of the way of the session, Mark, Jack, and um, we're right in the heart of hearings with what, three weeks to go left in public hearing time. So um, last week was a pretty big week for a lot of the high-profile budgetary and tax reform issues, um, all scheduled sort of in in uh, the Appropriations and Revenue Committees, um, trying to make their way through the process. What is a little bit earlier maybe than some of us had sort of expected, right, on the proposals to yeah. put sales tax on ser- certain services and those sorts of things. But part of the, I think, strategy around some of this is deep in the weeds of the process, you don't get kind of the, we call it a fiscal note, but you don't get the numbers for, like, what this is going to cost or save or bring in in revenue, right? Um, until you introduce the bill, and, and the process only gives you that 24 hours before a hearing is scheduled. So last week you saw all those new sales taxes um, heard in the Revenue Committee, things like pop and candy and legal mm-hmm. services and accounting services, um, taxes on dry cleaning and laundry, um, all scheduled last week so that the Revenue Committee could get numbers, right? What right. is What is the Department of Revenue and the Fiscal Office think in terms of what this will bring in so that we can take that money and pay off property tax obligations. Right. So you had the hearings last week. Uh, we'll turn this week, Jack, to maybe the, the more broad approach to this tax reform piece, which is the sales tax increase. So um, you might remember the news articles back in late December, right before the session, There was the governor was floating this idea of maybe a two-cent sales tax increase, so we'd go from five-and-a-half state sales yep. tax cents to seven-and-a-half um, cents uh, on your purchases. They've pared that back down to one cent, which is the bill that's introduced that'll be heard later this week. Um, I'm hearing talk behind the scenes that they might kind of meet in the middle and go for a cent and a half uh, across the board. Okay. So um, there's at least discussion on they might need that cent and a half in order to get to the number that they want to get to on the tax reform side. So some of that's sort of working its way through the process. I can tell you if you've watched any of the hearings or read any of the um, news pieces. It is not a drove of Nebraskans lining up in support of any of this, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the the proponents of the 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 proposal, the governor gave his opening remarks on some of it last week. I mean, they sort of believe this is what's best for Nebraska and this is what's right. And Nebraskans want property tax relief so badly that they will agree to pay more for certain types of things that they consume rather than property taxes and. On the opposition side, you've got, you know, every every business affected by these is in there testifying mm-hmm. um, opposed. So it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting political process that unwinds, and we've probably got probably a couple of weeks before you start to see anything moving out of out of committee toward the floor. Now, and you got to, at the end there, what you were saying there. I mean, my, my immediate reaction last week, uh, and really the last couple of weeks, when you've had conversations or hearings or or people talking about this is it just it just feels like a tough needle to thread 
to because you've got so many individual parts. First of all, the plan is a lot, right? It's just a, it's there's a lot of different parts to it, and we're hearing even more parts about it when they were talking about taking out taking out some of the excess dollars that were in some of these state commissions and and those sorts of things. But but every single one of these is going to aggravate a maybe small but specific constituency. Right. It's, I mean, it's not it's not necessarily like sometimes when you're on just on these straight, straight up partisan lines on on this sort of thing. That's not really what it is, because you might have people on the same side of the aisle as you. But just these little parts of it are going to have such specific financial repercussions. And there's there's a lot of different ones. There's a lot of different small groups of people or maybe in the case of sales tax, you know, big groups of of people that are going to oppose this. And it just that makes me think, man. They're going to get in the ear of legislators. You still got to get a lot of votes on this thing. It just, it seems like a tough needle to thread with this whole thing. And, and, and because of what you said too, it's not, you don't hear a ton of people yet, you know, other than maybe some of the bill sponsors that have come out like strong, strong in support of this whole thing. Well, I think what you're, what you're sort of talking about or what you're going to see, especially play out, Jack, is sort of the practical versus political, right? So it's easy to go in with sort of this broad scale, big picture idea on tax reform and say, this is what's right for the state of Nebraska. Um, to your point, when you start kind of picking and choosing, and, and what's, what's interesting this year about it as compared to last year is it really is focused on business services, right? When we've introduced it before, you talk about in consumers. This proposal focuses on businesses who are paying those taxes. So like the, the legal services, for example, is uh, legal services uh, purchased in furtherance of a business enterprise, which is kind of odd language to use that we haven't really seen before. And so, what you, you you kind of have to you start talking theoretically from a big picture about is this good tax policy? Um, and I think there's plenty of you know conservative think tanks across the country that say you don't tax businesses; you, those are inputs and all this stuff. But you start talking theoretically. What you're talking about though is that practical political. Uh, button that you have to push, right? Mm-hmm. When when push comes to shove, you got to vote yes or no. Mm-hmm. And although you're pegging certain types of constituents, right? You're looking at are we are we frustrating accountants or lawyers or retailers who sell pop and soda, and and you're going to have some people upset when those prices go up. At the end of the day, though, you have to look at the political practicality, which is I got to run in races, right? If I'm up for reelection mm-hmm. or um, in in November here or even May, right? If you got a competitive primary and your opponent starts saying, "Hey, you voted for tax increases. You voted to tax, you know, everyday Nebraskans on what they're doing," and how that plays out is a completely different conversation than whether or not the policy is the best policy for approaching tax reform. So it'll be interesting to see where the where the arguments go and, and ultimately where the votes fall, right? Um, not only not only on the floor, right, when we're talking about 49 senators, but you got a revenue committee that has to come to some sort of an agreement on what they're going to vote out to the floor for further discussion. So it'll be, it will be very interesting to see how things come together in the next couple of weeks. And is this one of those things that could get caught in, like, filibuster hell where you need more votes than a majority to just pass it, or will that not likely happen with this, or... What I mean, I know you don't know for sure, but what's this kind of look like once it gets to the floor? Yeah, you don't know for sure, but it's because of that last piece, Jack, that the political um, impact of this that I fully expect it to go to 33 votes. Um, I suppose there's some world in which it doesn't, but I can tell you that I don't know that I've seen a major um, 
high, highly polarized or high-profile issue in this legislature that hasn't gone to a 33-vote mm-hmm. filibuster in several years. So I fully expect it to need 33 votes to pass. All right. I mean, man, I can't even... Through three rounds, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. Like, okay, but you got to hold... You got to get 33 on the first round, and every promise you make about working on things in the second round, you got to get 33 then, and then you got to get another 33 to hold for passage. So... Um, it's got a long road before it gets there, but they've got a clock, right? The yep. session's over by April 17th, so um, the next month is will be very telling for the future of that plan. i got to be honest, Tim. I did not have on my 2024 bingo card one month into the legislative session, and I still haven't asked Tim a question about the legislature doing anything about who's using what bathrooms. I, I, did, I did not. <laughs> I, I can't believe uh, it's been a full month. At yeah, this point, um, I assume you're talking about the Sports and Spaces Act. It is it is introduced. It'll be I think it's it's either 574 or 575. I get those two mixed up um, because they've been so top of mind the last two sessions. But uh, the bill is prioritized by Senator Kaus. It um, I expect it to get attention this year. It has not been moved from the Education Committee. Last I knew, so um, it's still still sitting in committee. It's and, coming. Yeah. Um, it will, we will likely have that discussion at some point in the session as well. And, you know, to, to the broader picture, Jack, so far, there has not, we had our first filibuster last week and it was a legitimate filibuster over the merits of the bill, um, with regard to the two man crew requirement for trains operating in the state of Nebraska. I fully expected, and I think a lot of us in the, after the way last session went, Hey, we are prepared for and sort of expecting filibusters on every single bill. That's not happening so far. So um, they're discussing things. They're talking about things like daylight saving time, which I know you love. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, I heard, uh, what was it, Conrad and Erdman had uh, like uh, battling ideas, whether to go to full-time daylight or full-time standard. Was that right? Yeah. Yep. That is that is sort of the, that was the sexy topic last week. That and, like I said, the very first filibuster on um, a two-man train crew requirement that and, and Jack, that issue, the one that got filibustered yeah. last week, has been that's a repeat issue. It's been around for a decade, ever since I've been around anyway. It's been up and down in terms of being on the table and discussed and you know, it fell short of votes, but you had a legitimate filibuster over the merits of the policy rather than just kind of the stall tactics that we saw last year. So who knows? Who knows when the ride changes and the approach taken shifts, but for right now you're back to fairly normal operating business. I got lots of takes on how many people should be in trains. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no. I have none. You guys figure that out yourselves. I, you, I, I trust you all. I, I don't know if I should say that to the legislature, but I trust. Uh, I trust the the industry to to figure that out on their own. Here's what I do have a take on. Speaking of transportation, Tim, I saw that they were discussing. You know, finally making texting while driving a, a primary offense because it is uh, the least followed law in the world because of secondary offenses. But you know what? Like, I almost think they have to do, I know different states have done different things. I almost think you kind of just got to ban hold, like holding cell phones if you're going to do that just for enforcement purposes because there's so many, you know, oh, I was using my map, right? Oh, I was doing something that's not illegal when they actually happen. Then. I think you're going to have to, I think you almost have to go that far at this point. And that might be the right answer after this is all through, gone through. 
Yeah, I don't know what they'll end up doing. Like, even that existing statute, Jack, is, is pretty dated, right? So if you look at the language of it, it's, it's reading or typing text, which then, like, and I've had conversations and people ask questions like, well, what if you're watching a YouTube video? Right. I'm not reading anything then. <laughs> um, or like you said, a map, too, right? If I put my phone on a, a holder on my dash and it's right. showing me where to take my Uber deliver, Uber Eats delivery or whatever, like... right. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of questions about enforcement. At the end of the day, though, what I think is most telling about this issue is that you have two bills on the subject that were introduced this year, one that just deals with that issue, and then the other one that deals with that issue but also increases fines for speeding and oh, things like that considerably. Both of those are introduced by pretty conservative Republicans. Um, both of them have co-sponsors, too, like multiple. Um, I think the one... I think I feel like it's Lippincott bill has like maybe ten or eleven co-sponsors, most of whom are Republicans. So um, expect it. I don't know that we. I expect it to do anything this year, right? You have the conversation, um, but expect it to get some momentum if people keep thinking about it. And here's the thing, too, Jack. Like I know Senator Couch's bill on this issue comes out of a pretty tragic instance um, over in her district where mm-hmm. the person on a bicycle was. Yeah. You know, more or less run over, right, um, from behind, I think, by a driver who is very likely on their phone. So there is some serious policy conversations. And you know as well as I do, I drive through town. Everybody's sitting at a stoplight on their phone. It's, it's bad. No one is no one is dissuaded by the secondary offense is all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's not a, it is not a deterrent. It really yeah. is not. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um all right, I have just a tiny little bit left, but is uh, do they? Do you think they're going to get down to potentially making like these Delta Eight uh, kratom? I know they were talking about last week. These kind of things illegal or or I mean, because you got so many of these businesses. Businesses are everywhere on this thing. Just look for the bright lights <laughs> and the flags in the ground, right? Yeah, all the drug stuff. I think had hearings on Thursday last week. Um, the one that bans Kratom, the one that deals with uh, Delta 8 gummies. Uh, um, I, I'll i be interested to see what happens there, Jack. There's like a really, again, in, in the weeds, no pun intended, um, discussion about how those bills have worked through the process. So like the one that deals with Delta 8 deals with the Hemp Farming Act. Yep. That traditionally in the past had gone to the Ag Committee. It was initially referenced there, but then there was a motion made to re-reference it to the Judiciary Committee. Um, and I think probably an effort for that committee to try to control it and see if they could, you know, hold it in maybe this year. Who knows? But there's a little bit of some maneuvering going on over those. I don't know that they're necessarily right. on the fast track, but at the same time, um, their priorities for the Attorney General, there's a package of bills that could come together on that issue with with some of the things that that office is looking at. So don't count it out, but um, All right. wait to see whether it comes out of committee. All right. Got to run, Tim. Appreciate all the insight. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, Jack. Go Tim Ruza joining us. Uh, we'll take a break. I got sports next on KLIN. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIF. All right, 835. Welcome back, LNK Today. With Jack and friends, and the uh, the fog has rolled in. I feel I feel like we live in a coastal town here with uh, this just rolling off the water. But uh, you know, maybe it's rolling off Oak Lake and, and Holmes Lake right now. Uh, Thirty degrees in the capital city, still very foggy out there. But it's time to bring some sunshine into the show. Well, maybe not. Uh, Mike Schaefer joining us now from Husker twenty four seven. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? I am. Uh, I am. I'm doing. Fine. I I'm just gonna start it off with a uh, a chapter hide Wednesday. Okay. Monday special edition uh, for a Monday. That's fine. Yeah. So I I visited the uh, the worst IV in town here at about eight a.m. and uh, was was running in to make a few purchases for the the early portion of the week. I don't know what my week exactly looks like, but we're just trying to get some groceries for the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's that's all fine. I mean I I give you a lot of crap about this IV. But the, the actual Hy-Vee experience was largely fine, other than they have the worst self-checkout scales ever. They can't determine, they can't determine if your item is, has been put in a bag or, you know, on the tray. I've never had that problem. I just never have these problems you have, but that's fine. That's, that's not the real problem. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm going through, and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm, I like chips. Like, I, I like to have a variety of chips at the house. I never know what. I'm George Costanza with chips. I never know which one, you know, I want. I don't know. It, it all depends on my mood. There's so, so many uh, choices. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need some chips. So I, I go over, and I just stop by the Doritos, because I haven't had Doritos in a while. A normal bag, not a family bag, not a super bag, not a bag that you can get at Costco or Sam's Club that's like 40% bigger. A normal bag of Doritos is five ninety nine now. Yep. $6. Yep. What like what are we doing here? <laughs> this just like blows my mind. Yep. Yep. Dollars for a bag of Doritos that I could finish in forty five minutes. <laughs> now that says a lot about me that I don't really need to put out there on air. And we don't have to pretend like I've done this at least a few times in my life. We can just pretend I've never done it. six dollars for a bag of Doritos. Like what yep. is happening? Yep. Well, who, who can afford this? What what are we doing? This is terrible. That is one of the sticker. That's definitely one of the sticker shock items right now, along with ground beef, I would say. But yes, I've never been more happy to be part of a uh, of a, a cow thing where I, I have like a quarter oh. of a cow. So my entire freezer right now is just full of steaks, and we just picked it up last week. Uh, I got to do that sometime. I got to do that. Yeah. Some ground beef. I'm more than happy to drop some off. I think we have a hundred plus pounds. Okay, good. That's good because I'm paying like six bucks a pound at the grocery store. Uh, uh, if you, unless you want it to be like sixty three percent lean, right? <laughs> unless you want like a fat ball. 
basically. Yeah. So, all right, there you go. Uh, a good warm up. Just a reminder to our listeners: what chaps your hide happens every Wednesday. That's a very, very, very similar to what Mike just described there. Incredibly similar. Uh, you can do that on Wednesdays. You can text yours in at any time though to four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred. And uh, yes, grocery prices are a popular one, along with the uh, the normals, uh, roundabouts, uh, super merging. Um, you know, the, the 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 typical Hall of Fame versions of what Chaps Your Eye Wednesday. But let's uh, let's let's move on, though, to uh, to last night. Can uh, I don't know. I don't I thought I would wake up this morning feeling better about what happened. I don't know that I do, because you were so close there, Mike, to getting into super weird territory for this season, like super weird territory. Like they're almost definitely going to the tournament territory. Uh, and then the foul happens. Then he makes one free throw. And I'm like, oh, the guy's like an 88% free throw shooter. It's over. And then he misses it. And then the hope is back. And then five minutes of just frustrate. I mean, just frustrating to watch from every in every possible way. We can get into that. I went to bed angry last night and I said, I'm going to feel better because that was an encouraging performance when I wake up. I don't know that I feel that way yet. Should I feel that way? I mean, yes, in the sense that, like, here's what you should be encouraged by. This team continues to show insane resiliency in the face of adversity almost every time they meet it. Like, the Maryland game aside, and obviously Iowa falls in that category, but they have some stink bumps in there, absolutely. There's no question. They've given some games away. There's no question. Their ability to flush everything they know and everything that happened the, the game before and show up and play the game at hand has generally been really, really good compared to the Nebraska basketball teams that we are used to. Uh, I made a joke on Twitter, and you followed up with a very realistic thought on it, which is essentially it would be really funny if the big prank of all time is Nebraska was lights out in Champaign, <laughs> the best team that they're probably playing on the road this year. I think they're better than Wisconsin. I think they're a better, I do too. more difficult matchup for Nebraska than Wisconsin. I do, too. Uh, you know, Nebraska ran into a buzz stop at the Kohl Center in January, whatever. I didn't think that they had this game in them against Illinois. And so, of course, as you pointed out, when you count this team out entirely, that's when they show up. And then we get vintage, you know, I say vintage just a year ago, vintage Tomina- or Tominaga in February. He's fantastic. You know, Nebraska like, is battling this entire game. They're getting absolutely no help from the officials, which is to be expected. They're, in fact, actually being harmed by the officials. And real quick side note here, before someone rolls their eyes and is like, oh, you can't blame officiating, just shut up. <laughs> Basketball is the worst experience as a fan with officiating. It sucks. They're terrible. It doesn't matter if you're the home team, the away team, someone watching, someone who doesn't care someone gambling you are sure to be screwed by poor officiating so just deal with it anyways going forward this this really hurts because they were that close and we know how these things go we know that when you're like on the precipice of that giant win and you don't get it it's really easy to be like all right well they're in the right shape they're in the you know everything's moving in the right direction none of that matters you either win or you don't in sports i very firmly believe this no matter how many people tell me that the Vikings or the, the Guardians are now, you know, Nebraska basketball is on the precipice of doing something great, Nebraska mm-hmm. football, if you will. Mm-hmm. And unless you win, it does not matter. And so, unfortunately, as great as all of that was, it was nice to see. You know, it, it tells you that they can go and compete on the road against a high-level team. 
think we already knew that. But they have to be able to win these games. And it felt like it got taken from them. And the officiating was terrible. And there's nothing you can really do about that. It's really unfortunate. And yet, this is the reality of playing in the Big Ten. This is the reality of college basketball. Unless you're one of the blessed teams, unless your coach cries like Tom Izzo every moment of every game, you don't get called. And Nebraska (laughs) will get called. And that's going to be a problem for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brad Underwood just absolutely blew up in like the first three minutes of the game on a non foul call that he might have been right about, but he, like the emotion he expended on that looked hilarious at the end of that game with everything. There was less contact on his blow up, and I don't even think he was mad about the non foul. I think there was some exchange with the official oh, that okay. started as like less than professional. Gotcha, because he was weirdly mad. So then he went 10 times less than professional because I could read his lips. He's like, don't you ever say that to me. Don't you cuss at me. Why are you cussing at me? Like, gotcha. I mean, he, he, was, he was mad about the exchange, I think, way more than the call. Okay. Not to try to give Brad Underwood any cover for being an absolute lunatic. <laughs> no, he seems like a, the nicest guy. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, he seems like he'd be really fun to play for. Every, every cutaway to their timeouts, they're like on a 10-0 run. And they come back, and he is just, like, basically verbally assaulting this guy on his way to the huddle. And I was like, yeah, that seems like a great environment. I'm sure they love, you know, just everything that's going for him right now. But, um, yeah, I, it, it's really frustrating because that win would have really, really lit the pathway to, uh, to a guaranteed bid. I mean, at that point, you're talking you need at minimum three wins, and you have a resume that's going to be better than any other at-large that you're going up yep. in. Yep. Four wins, and you're in a great spot. Like, absolutely unassailable. Five wins, and we're talking about Nebraska potentially being a 60. And then if you really let your mind wander and they were to start adding to it because they show that they're capable of it, and then it's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, five. you know, but here we are. This is where uh, Nebraska basketball lives in purgatory, along right. with every other Nebraska men's sport. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Like, if they they get that stop, Wiltshire doesn't foul in the last possession. They get that stop and they get that win, and then Kansas State does just a little bit. Like say Kansas State knocks off Kansas tonight or gets up above seventy five. They're at like eighty two right now. That goes back to a quad one win. Nebraska then has a they then have five quad one wins. They're talking like elite quad one resume, like as in top five to ten in the nation, <laughs> which yeah. is I mean it's crazy. It's cra- like at some point that's got to get, I mean, that is, that has got to be worth something in this whole process. Yet they're still, you know, I feel like we're going to be sweating it out on the bubble this whole month, the whole time. I, I don't know if this works the same way it did in 2017, 18, where that team didn't have any quad one wins. So they were at the mercy of a bunch of different things. But like in the, in that year, the whole conversation was they played too many teams that were the worst part of the, of college basketball in, in, you know, they're in the three hundreds or whatever. I, I don't, and, and again, I think this is still sort of part of it. I don't understand why we care about anyone that's, like, lower than 150. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not above one, like, there should be four quads, and it shouldn't, like, there should be no imaginary fifth quad, and there was in the previous version of the metric. I don't know enough about the net to know one way or the other if that's still part of it. Mm-hmm. But there's always this talk about how you didn't schedule hard enough, and it's like, I don't, if you play in the Big Ten. If you finish in the top five or six in the Big Ten, you should be in the tournament every year as long as you're, like, two games above 500. Right. But it, you play good. Like, there, there's no gimmies down the stretch here. Like, we talk about winning everything at home. They, they've got tough home games still. Like, Minnesota 
is not going to be any sort of chalked up win the way that we thought it was in December. Like that's a solid team. You beat that team, it counts as something. Like it's just it's right. hard because it's not the Big Twelve and they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt for everybody beating everybody. And somehow this always happens when Nebraska's in the mix. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to your point, like of the home because we're we're you know, the home schedule quote unquote gets easier. But, you know, Rutgers just went on the road and beat Michigan. Minnesota just beat Northwestern. Uh, Penn State went on the road and beat Indiana, right? And so those are those are three of those teams, and you gotta. I mean, man, it it, it kind of goes to the original point you were talking about was was like, hey, when you have no expectations, it feels like they come through, and then sometimes when you assume things, it feels like in this program historically it's gone the other way. So that's my other concern about this whole thing. Yeah, I, I do feel like the best thing that came out of yesterday, besides the fact that they were able to stay close and uh, the people who were going heavy against Nebraska at, at you know, plus 10 lost, I enjoyed that. But uh, the, the best part of it, K.T. Tominaga yes. looked like the version that can help them again. He had kind of a three-game flip there where he was just off. I, you know, even though it was Wisconsin game, it felt like his shots weren't that far off. They just didn't go down. And then last night, I mean, he was just on. I What was he, five of seven? Yeah. Um, by the end of it, and he was he was fantastic. There was a moment there late where it felt like he kind of passed up a, a shot that he normally wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, Nebraska doesn't score on that possession, and it's just it's one of those things. But um, I I think if nothing else, seeing Tominaga return to form is good for this program too, as they get yes. into this really critical stretch. Yeah, a couple of things on that. Number one, yeah, he did, and and masked. Passed up two or three open threes. It felt like they both did at the end, and like those are the best shots you're going to get right now when those are open at the clip that they had been shooting. You know, anything inside the three point line, it's, you're basically getting doomed up. And Illinois yeah. is that type of team every year. I mean, this is why winning at State Farm is really hard. Yeah, they don't get called for fouls, and they get to play a different version of defense than everyone else in the conference. If you don't believe me? Don't watch Nebraska play Illinois. Watch them play anybody else. Yeah. If they don't, they they really live off reputation, and I think the fear of Brad Underwood, and they're good. Like, that's a good team. But I will say this. If I never have to watch Coleman Hawkins on my screen again, <laughs> what I is, love it. What is it about that guy? We, we were the same way last night. I don't know what it is, uh, but it was just, a, I don't know. He had a great game, too, but, man, it was frustrating. He was annoying. The reality is it's like looking into the mirror if we were basketball players. Of course we wouldn't like someone that's really demonstrative and whiny. Yeah. What are we? We're demonstrative and whiny. <laughs> so like it's, you know, right. I, I hate the version of myself that would be a college basketball coach because I'd be Tom Izzo. <laughs> like I, I'm, I have enough awareness to know this. I know what I was like when I played basketball. Right. I wasn't anywhere as good as Coleman <laughs> I right. still wasn't on the planet of Coleman Hawkins in terms of talent, but man, could I cry about fouls that didn't exist? And you better believe I made sure everybody heard it. Yeah, yeah, I, that that makes sense. I was ha- I was having that exact same reaction last night. But give, to get back to Casey for a second, I don't know, I don't know if I'm building a straw man here or not, Mike. But it felt like the, I was hearing a little bit of, hey, does he really have any value compared to the some of the alternatives? that are out there, and if he misses a couple, should you even have him in, given that he's not, you know, he's a bit of a defensive liability. And the whole time I said, okay, number one, it's it's not like, I mean, Hoiberg's solid defensively, but, you know, if we're, if it's between him and Wilcher, it's not like either of them are huge defensive stoppers at this point. And number two, the, occasionally, I mean, this team will struggle to score points. 
and he's the only he is the only one with the mentality to go really really get point maybe uh, that's unfair to mast a little bit but he's the only one with the mentality to really create points out of nothing if necessary they've got to have as you and i talked about last week they've got to have more of that offensive mentality on that team and we saw it last night i mean uh, so i don't know if that i don't know if i make a straw man out of that but i think that was i think that was ridiculous to act like he he really doesn't have much value anymore or something yeah, I mean, like, he was coming off of a six-game stretch with double-digit efforts. He scored 28 against Indiana. He had 19 against Purdue in that game. He had the critical three against Northwestern. There's a reason with, like, 30 seconds left or whatever, they put him in against Wisconsin in mm-hmm. regulation because you knew that he was going to draw a lot of attention. Like, he is the scariest player on Nebraska's team. Yep. I prompt you when they're doing film study, as they prepare for Nebraska, it's not – oh, we're concerned about T.J. Wiltshire, we're concerned about... No, they're concerned about Tomonaga. Like, he is that good. He is him, as the kids say. Like, <laughs> And so the idea that Nebraska would go away from that is nonsensical to me. I mean, he had he had a bad stretch. Mass had a bad stretch. Bryce Williams had a bad stretch. T.J. Wiltshire might have a bad stretch. Like, there's, this is basketball. It's difficult. And especially when the, you know, none of these guys are so good that they're guaranteed 15 points every time out. Like, they just... They don't have that level of player, but they have these guys that can absolutely heat up. And they're going to, you know, the, the beautiful thing to me is there's going to be a night where Wiltshire and Tominaga are absolutely going off, and it's going to be tough for that other team. Yeah. And it'll be fun to see. Yeah, it's always been one, hasn't it, for the most part. Um, that would be crazy. And, and again, I say, look, if there's an alternative there on the team, and, and maybe somebody's going to say, well, Jack, it's Sam Hoiberg, and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll grant you that. But if there's an alternative out there, if to take his minutes, that is going to play lockdown defense and pull down, you know, pull down rebounds and and help the offensive rebound gap that you've got. I would say, okay, I get your point then, but that that's generally not happening, right? That's that's not the the flip flop that we're talking about here with those minutes, right? Well, and it's also like, I mean, the rebounding issue isn't just Omanaga; it's literally everyone on the team. Like, I love Rink Mass; he's a stretch four that's being asked to be their big. I like Josiah Alex. He's probably been playing 12 more minutes than he would on most teams. Like it's, They're trying to get what they can out of a front court that isn't that good in terms of being able to go up and get re- – like when they didn't have Jawan Gary, it's noticeable that no one else yes. can get offensive rebounds. Yes. Like they're, they're just not built in the way to, to be dominant on the glass, which is fine, and it hurts not having Blaze Tato. Like I, I get he's not going to score for you, but if you could just get eight minutes a game of that guy being a rim protector, like that would have made life more difficult for Illinois. Yep. We, um, you know, in yeah. addition to everything else. But they don't have that. And so it, it feels like sometimes some players take the brunt of Nebraska's entire issue that's team wide. And that's just there's not a good rebounding team. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, it made a difference when Juwan was in there or not last night, to your point. Man. Yeah. Like the, the second one- half they put him back they they uh Maryland started off hot and they, they, they got him in the lineup and it was like night and day different, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think you meant Illinois, but yeah, I mean Yeah, was, Illinois, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He he's the one guy that can kind of match the athleticism. I mean that's part of it is Nebraska's just not as athletic as some of these teams. That's where some of these issues are gonna come from. I mean when Illinois put in their like third string big he's giving rink mass problems because he's an athletic big guy. Like yeah. Minnesota is going to be a real issue with that in a couple of weeks. I, I really worry about that game. I do. 
Right. Well, all in on the roller coaster for the next uh, four weeks. Wouldn't have it any other way, right? <laughs> it's going to be, man, it is going to be white knuckle time at some point. It really is. Uh, but it's uh, that's the that's the plight we've all chosen uh, in uh, in following this Nebraska team. Uh, great to talk to you, Mike. Uh, good luck in the coming weeks. Uh, maybe a little break for you on the show, uh, but we'll uh, we'll get back to you soon after that. And uh, and uh, good luck. All right. I appreciate it. Everyone enjoy that billion-dollar Doritos commercial coming on Sunday and know that you pay for it every time you buy a bag. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, 855, take a break. Wrap up the show after this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, that is it for the show today. I want to thank my guests, Tim Hruza, Mike Schaefer. Uh, thank you for all of... Uh, all of you on the text line with Caleb out today who, uh, who bantered with me, uh, when we had, uh, Canada goose and bald eagle talk, you know, you know, I love the animal Thunderdome segments and, uh, couldn't stay away from that. Check out the podcast. If you, uh, missed that, we talked about the increasing bald eagle population in Lincoln and Omaha and the benefits that might come along with that. So, uh, yeah, back, back tomorrow. Not sure if Caleb's going to make it back or not under the weather right now. So, uh, we will see about that. But regardless, I will be here tomorrow coming up on a Tuesday. On the show, we will have Joe Jordan from News Channel Nebraska, and I am efforting. I should check my email and see if I have an update on this. Uh, we may, we may have uh, Dr. Ken Dewey tomorrow as well. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have even said it. I, I might jinx it, but we're gonna, we're gonna get him in the coming days, one way or the other, because we're in a new month. Hey, be safe, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, nine o'clock, KLI in Lincoln.